All right, this morning, guys, um, I'm going to be talking about the call of God in our lives. And um, I'm going to give you just a little background and start in Genesis with Abraham and uh, just kind of walk you forward and just show how God begins to move in individuals' lives and how it's his desire to move in your life, my life as well. That, you know, sometimes we read these stories, and they're great stories, and we love them, but we kind of think that, you know, that was for them. And, you know, that's just kind of like we're reading almost like a history lesson. But I want to tell you that, that God has a call for you and for your life, that you, you're not here by accident, uh, you weren't born by accident, um, you know, that God knew you. The Bible says that he knew you before the world was even uh, founded, before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that God knew you, had a plan and a purpose for your life. So before we get into the word, I want to pray. I want to ask that you just join me in prayer. And, uh, you know, the, the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 59, uh, 2, that he says that, uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah says that because of our sins that God has hid his face. Um, but in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So I want to just take a moment and just let God. David said in Psalm 139, he said, Lord, search me and try me and just see if there's anything wrong. Is there anything wrong in my heart that shouldn't be there? You know, um, and he, he had a, because he was a man after God's own heart, you know, uh, he had that kind of a heart. You know, he just wanted to do things that please the Lord. So join me for just a moment in prayer. God, we want to just thank you for this awesome time of worship that we had this morning, just coming into your presence. And Lord, uh, we don't want our sins to separate us from you the, today. And so we just ask you, God, that you would just wash us in the blood of your son, Jesus, that you would cleanse us from everything that defiles and hinders us from hearing you. And God, we thank you, thank you that your blood not only purifies and makes us clean, but there's healing power in your blood for whatever problems we face today, whether uh, it's uh, on the emotional level, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, Lord, whether it's, uh, you know, we have sins or sicknesses or whatever we may be. Your blood is there to cleanse and your blood is there to heal. And we ask for the cleansing power, the healing power of your blood to just overflow us this morning. Just, you know, just uh, like that uh, hyssop uh, in the Passover that they took the hyssop and sprinkled it over the doorpost and over the, the header that the death angel would pass over. And Lord, we ask that you would do the same with us, that you would wash us. And David said, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. And God's people said, I want to be clean. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, so I, I want to just pick up here uh, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, starting at verse 1. It says, and the Lord had said to Abram, uh, you know, just keep in mind that Abram is, is in that area, I believe, in, in Iraq, northern, northern Iraq. Uh, it was probably seven or eight hundred miles away from Israel. But Abraham, God said to Abraham, I want you to go from your country. I want you to leave your country. Just think about it. Just think about it this morning. You know, 800 miles away. Just if God were to say to you, I don't know where 800 miles is. Pepe, how far is it uh, down to Mexico City from here? Huh? How far is it? 
Right, let's just say it's 800 miles, okay? <laughs> but just imagine this morning, you know, God saying to you, um, you know, I just want you to pick up and I want you to leave and I want you to go 800 miles, you know, in any direction. And, you know, and you're walking, you know, you don't, you're not taking a bus or, you know, you're just walking, you're taking your family with you. And, you know, uh, and it would have been real easy, you know, for Abraham to say, you know what, Lord, I got a plan. I got a plan for my life. I'm going to just tell you that right now, generally, the plan that you have for your life, it generally doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to. And, and I want to just tell you that, you know, really, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just want to tell you that, you know, that God's got a better plan for your life than you do. I mean, I don't care, you know, what you can dream up and what you can fathom, what you think about. God has got a better plan for your life than you do. But, you know, I, I can just hear Abraham, you know, God, you know, I mean, I've got a few little sheep here and, you know, I've got a plan. You know, and I've got 10 sheep, and if they have 10 babies, you know, every year, that in about four or five years, I'll be able to buy, you know, two or three acres of land over here, and I'm going to be a good shepherd, and, uh, you know, I'm going to raise my wife. Hopefully someday we'll have children, and we're going to occupy this, this little couple of acres. And God's saying to Abraham, I want to give you, I want to give you something. He says, Abraham, if you'll listen to me, I'm going to give you. God, anybody ever been to Israel? How many of you have been to Israel? It's not a, it's not a big nation. It's not a huge nation. But I tell you what, it's a lot bigger than what, you know, Abraham might have been thinking about. I mean, it's, you know, hundreds and thousands and thousands of acres. You know, God's saying, I want to give this to you. And he did. You know, it says that this is the call of God in Abraham's life. And I tell you that many times we miss the call of God because we think that we have something better. We think that somehow that God's plans or, you know, like, you know, somehow God wants to send you to the worst place in the world, whatever you can imagine that to be. We always say Africa, but, you know, I mean, it could be Siberia. I mean, it could be the coldest place in the world. It could be any place. We're always thinking that God wants to send us to the worst place in the world. And God's saying, you know, that, you know, my thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. And my ways are so much greater than your ways, you know. As heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts higher and greater than your thoughts and my plans for you. He says, I know my thoughts for you. I know my plans for you. They're thoughts for good. Listen, my plans for you are thoughts for good and not for evil. This is what God is saying to you. I don't care what you've got planned out. God's got a better plan. Amen. All right. So, uh, so God calls Abraham. He says, I want you to leave your country, leave your people, your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. Now, I would have had a thousand questions, and you probably would have as well. But it says that Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That was his nephew. And Abraham was 75 years old when uh, he set out from Haran. And, um, you know, it would have been just as I, as I said earlier, it would have been very easy for Abraham to miss the call of God. But he went, God blessed him in the land, multiplied him in the land, and the Bible says that all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of this one man's obedience. And then we jump down to Exodus, uh, and this is the story of Moses. You guys know how Moses, when uh, when he was a little baby, that uh, that Egypt, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh had made a, a law to kill all the male children, and Moses' mother and father saw that he was a, 
a beautiful child and didn't want to kill him, so they made a little ark, a little uh, like a basket, and covered it with pitch and uh, set him in the Nile and let him just kind of float down. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter saw him and decided that she wanted to, uh, you know, just take this this uh, Israeli slave and raise him in Pharaoh's household, and you know, uh, you know, leave it up to God. Uh, you know, his sister was kind of like following through the bushes and the rushes there. And uh, she says, I know I can get somebody that can raise him and nurse him for you until he's weaned, and then we could bring him into your household. And Pharaoh's daughter said, excellent idea. Well, she goes back and takes Moses back to his mother. You know, imagine that. You know, God's plan. And so his mother really raises him, and then when it's time for him to be weaned, back into Pharaoh's court. He's in Pharaoh's court. He was raised there. I mean, he's educated. He's uh, got all the riches of Egypt. And at 40 years old, he saw, you know, one Jew, uh, you know, an, an Egyptian mistreating one of the Jews, and he kills the Egyptian. And uh, the word got out, and he has to flee for his life. He flees into the desert. He's in the desert for another 40 years. And at the end of that 40 years, uh, God appeared to him in this burning bush. And it says, when the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to take a look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people Egypt, and I've heard them crying out, because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. You see that? That God is concerned about suffering. The psalmist says, I will not neglect, speaking about God, he says, I will not neglect the cry of the afflicted. If you're going through a difficult time today, don't think that you're alone, because God says, I will be to, I will be a father to the fatherless, and I will be a, a husband to those that are a widow. And, uh, you know, so he goes on, and he says, um, he says, and now the cry of the uh, Israelites have reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you. This is the call. This is God calling to Moses saying, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, uh, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so that's what happened. This is the call of Moses. Now imagine, can you imagine what would have happened had he not answered that call? I mean, he was there. He was doing well. I mean, he, you know, he had his, uh, his father-in-law sheep. He was a shepherd taking care of sheep there as well. He could have said, it's comfortable for me. They want to kill me back in, in, in Egypt. I, I think, you know, I'd rather not go. But he answered the call of God. And God, you see this incredible work that did. God saved an entire nation. God saved an entire nation through one person. And we see that happening over and over and over again. You know, we see with the sons of Jacob how Joseph is sold back into slavery into Egypt. And God gives him this dream and this vision about, you know, uh, seven fat cows and seven skinny cows and seven uh, full ears of corn and, and seven, you know, shrunken 
uh, withered ears of corn. And Pharaoh says, what does it mean? And, and Joseph said, but I'll tell you what it means. You're going to have seven good years, and then you're going to have seven bad years of famine. And so let's put away, let's prepare. And that's exactly what Pharaoh did. It says that Pharaoh listened to him, put him second in command. And, and Joseph was like a savior. He saved the world. He saved the entire Jewish nation and the Egyptians as well, because Egypt was the only place that you could go and find grain. And so just think what would have happened had he not listened to the call of God, had he not heeded the call of God. And Moses heeded the call of God as well. And then we jump to 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. The Lord has not chosen these. The sons walked by one by one. There were seven that were in the house that walked by one by one. And Samuel says, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, he says, are all of your sons, or are these all the sons that you have? And he says, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Interesting that how all of these characters are shepherds and, and tending sheep, Abraham and, and uh, Moses and and Joseph, in a way, and his brothers certainly were. And now we see David as well. He says that he's tending sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, this is, you know, some time before he kills the giant. But I want you to know that with the call of God, what we see right here, with the call of God comes the anointing of God. And I know that many of you are thinking that, you know, God, I would do something, uh, you know, for you. I'd love to do something for you. I'm willing to do something for you, but I don't feel like I have the talent, the talent or the strength. Now, David was a shepherd. The Bible says that God took him from the sheepfold and made him to be king over Israel. Now, he didn't go to king school, okay? Now, he didn't have an opportunity to do that. You know, God says that I'm going to put my spirit upon you and you will know what to do. You will know what to do and you'll have the strength and the power to do it. And that's what he's saying to every one of you that's in this room this morning. That I'm calling you and when I call you, I'll put my spirit upon you. I'll put my spirit in you. You'll be filled with my spirit and you will know not only what to do, but I'll give you the strength and the power to do it. Amen? All right. So we look at Second Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and your election. And Peter's saying this is, like, this is one of the most important things that you can do, is make sure of your calling and your election. For by doing this, you will never stumble into sin, and, for the, and thus uh, an inheritance into the kingdom of our God and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. So he's saying that, you know, you really need to understand what, what's God called you to do. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold right now, and I'm going to put some of you on the spot. Okay? <laughs> All right, Nina's saying no. All right. This is my wife of 45 years as of today. <laughs> Thank you. 
She is the love of my life. And um, all right, where's Jim Noble? He's bold. Jim, stand up. Tell us what God has called you to do. And when you realized what it was that God has called you to do. Uh, do I need to say that again or did everybody hear me? And um, so, um, I mean, what, what God has done, it's interesting when you were talking a little bit about um, how, um, you know, God calls us to go to something and we're always afraid, oh, is he going to call me to do something I hate to do? And uh, I've never felt like God called us to go to a place that we hated. Well, maybe Pat didn't like Albania too much, but... <laughs> But, um, you know, what it's all about is the people that you get to minister to. And God's called us to minister to people in the nations. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me, uh, let me go back to Frank back there. I'll ask uh, Frank. He's, he's bold. He's not ashamed. I know everybody's heart is just like beating out of their chest right now. Like, <laughs> don't call me. Don't call me. Don't call me. Don't worry. I will. <laughs> What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, is, what has God called you to do, and when did you recognize that? How long have you known what your calling is? Since I was a child, I was raised as a Catholic. But since I was a child, I always wanted to be a minister unto the Lord. I thought that was as a Roman Catholic priest. So I tried that. Then the Lord saved me and called me into the ministry. And uh, I ended up pastoring a church, leading a Christian school, and having lots of children. And the Lord has blessed, and I've never been to a place I didn't want to go. Although sometimes while I was there, I wasn't sure. But it's, it's been a blessing. Let me just ask you, Frank, was it clear to you, I mean, right away, did you know, I mean, did you wrestle with the Lord over the call uh, of God in your life? I mean, were you, were, did you know just like boom, or did, was, there, were there, was there a process that you had to work through? I pretty much knew when he called me, and that was shortly after I got saved, and I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I didn't have a hesitancy. The one I was concerned about was my wife, because... Um, I didn't know if the Lord had dealt with her as he was dealing with me. And we came to find out the Lord was dealing with her as well. Uh, that's a totally whole different story. But um, the Lord called us to go pastor up north. And the place he called us to go pastor, the place itself, the location where we were living, was, uh, was in need of a lot of love and repair. There was an open sewer right in front of the parsonage and so when my wife and I visited the first time, she came home back to Santa Fe crying. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, if you're going to want us, if you're going to want us up here, you're going to have to change your heart. So that was in February. And in uh, June, uh, a man that some of you already know, her, father, her dad, my father-in-law, Amarante, didn't want anything to do with Christians or Christianity. And so she had made a deal with the Lord that I was not aware of. Lord, if you save my dad, I will go to Cuesta. That was an, I didn't know that. June the 4th, Sunday morning, 
we had an altar call. And guess who the first one was to the front of the church? And so she comes back after church and says, honey, we're going to Quest now. So praise All right. God. Amen. All right. Let me look around here. I'm, I'm going to take one more. Uh, let's. I know everybody's kind of putting their heads down like they're reading. reading you. First time you're reading your Bible since you've been in church this morning. Okay. Everybody's studying. All right. Let's get uh, B. Johnson. I'm going to ask B. Johnson. She's bold. Come on, B. Um, I was saved when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I was baptized in the Spirit when I was at work one day working for the state, and I wanted to um, start having a real desire to know the Word of God. And so I quit my job and went to Bible college for four years. While I was at Bible college, people would ask me what I was going to do, and I said, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach. I was thinking differently than what it ended up being, but when I came back to Santa Fe, um, about four or five months after I had gotten back, there was an opportunity to teach at the school. And so while I was at Bible college, I did feel like the Lord was saying, you're going to teach, you're going to teach, you're going to teach. And that's how I heard. So in your mind, you were thinking about teaching something different. And, yep. and you were, how, how many years were you, or have you been a teacher, B? Uh, about 29. Really? Amen. And a good job, too. So, guys, what I'm saying is, and what I want you to understand is that, you know, it's just like, like you know, in, like in B's uh, situation, you know, God's saying, you know, or she's, she's thinking one thing and God's thinking something else. And we don't always know exactly what the Lord has in mind. But, you know, the thing that I want to get across to you this morning is that, that God has a call upon your life. And, and Peter again says, make every effort uh, to be sure of your calling and your election. And then in 2 Timothy, the Lord says, for God saved us and called us, okay? Saved us and called us, saved us and called us. God saved us and called us to live, listen, a holy life. And he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time. And as I, as I mentioned, some translations actually say before the earth was formed to show us his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. God saved us and called us before the beginning of time. And then we read in, uh, and, and, and I just want to talk about, let me just talk about the calling for a second, because I believe that there are, there's a general calling that I believe that God has for everybody, you know, just the same calling. And I believe that there's specific callings, like Jim had been called into missions and, and um, Frank into administration and, and being a pastor and be into being a teacher, you know, I believe that there are general callings and there are specific callings. We see that Abraham was called to go to the land and, and establish a family there in the land. He was specifically called for that. And then we see a specific calling for David that God anointed him. His, his, his calling, he did a lot of great things in his life, but he was specifically anointed to be the next king of Israel, even though it didn't happen for many, many years later. And see, sometimes we get the calling. You'll get the calling first, and sometimes it's immediate, and other times it may take years before you actually enter into the specific calling that God has called you to. 
But I want to talk about, for just a moment, the general calling, what God has called us to do. And, you know, we've got to go back, if you go back all the way back to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God speaking about Adam and Eve, it says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And so that's one of the things that God has called us, a general calling in our life, that God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. Okay, God wants you to be fruitful, and he wants us to multiply. And then we see that uh, in Colossians chapter 1, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way uh, you will all, and then the way you will live always honors and pleases the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. So that when we heed that call, when we answer the call of God, when God calls you, there's that salvation call, that general call that he's calling. And it says that many are called, but few are chosen. But God has called you, and he's called you so that you would live the kind of life that would produce fruit. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this a little bit more. And I want you to notice the word abide in this. I'm going to read eight verses of scripture, but I believe that seven times in the eight verses, the word abide appears. And it just means that you're connected to. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. That means stay connected to him and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make somebody really mad here, okay? But, uh, all right. That was my wife. All right, guys. Okay, let's just pretend for a moment that this is a apple branch, Okay. Now, if we all gather around this thing and we all lay hands on it and we all just, you know, just mm, apples, 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 apples. Is this branch going to grow any apples? It's not going to grow any apples. The only way that this branch is going to grow any apples is if it abides, if it's connected, if it's connected to that tree. And God wants us to be connected to him so that we have, sorry, hon. Um, he says he wants us to be connected to him so that we can abide in him and bear fruit. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That branch is ne never going to bear any fruit. It's not going to bear any fruit because it's been cut off. It says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Listen to this. This is how God is glorified. We talk about, we lift our hands and we praise God. And we talk about God being glorified. But he says, by this, my Father is glorified that you, those of you that have been called, that's every one of you, this is how God is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so you will be my disciples. That's what, that's how God is glorified. Remember the scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, it says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, and, that, and that's what, you know, the world is looking, you know, by, Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. And then in Mark chapter 4, 
Jesus explains a parable to him. I believe it's the first parable that Jesus teaches because he says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the other ones? But he said to them, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all other parables? The sower, this is talking about the sower that sowed the seed, uh, the sower that sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, when they hear the word of God, and, you know, the first time that you heard the word of God, it's probably unlikely that you came to the Lord. It was like, you know, somebody kept saying it to you over and over again. They kept preaching the word of God to you, talking to you about the Bible. And the first time you heard it, you know, it didn't take root. Second time you heard it, maybe didn't take root. But eventually it takes root. But what happens is when it doesn't take root, the Bible says here, it says that when the sower sows the seed, it says that when they hear the word, that Satan comes immediately and steals or takes away the word. Remember what John 10 says about Satan, that he is a liar and a thief, and he's come to rob and steal and kill and destroy. Remember, that's what John chapter 10 says. It says that Satan comes immediately and steals the word or takes the word that was sown in their heart. And these likewise are the ones that are sown on stony ground. So the word, the seed fell on stony ground. It says that they hear the word and immediately they receive it with gladness. But because they have no root in themselves, it only endures for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble now, these are the ones that are sown among the thorns, and they, they are the ones that hear the word and the cares of this world. And I want to tell you, church, that I believe that this is what, you know, the, the main reason that many of you uh, will not, many Christians will not fulfill the call that God has in their life is because of this one right here. It says, they hear the word, and they hear it with gladness, but all of a sudden the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things to enter in and choke the word, and they become what? They become unfruitful. But what did Jesus said by this? God is glorified is if you if you bear much fruit, but the enemy doesn't want you to bear much fruit. So he's either going to steal the word, he's going to rob you of the word, or he's going to distract you. And he's going to keep you from fulfilling God's call in your life. And so all of us, you know, myself included, we all need to be on guard about the distractions of this world. Now, let's talk about distractions. What are some of the distractions that some of you are faced with on a daily basis? Tell me. Shout it out. Give me a shout out. Huh? Lust. Okay. Finances. All right. What you say? Bills. Okay. Debt. What else? Football. All right, does that have to be on the list today? <laughs> all right. Yeah, these are all things that we're distracted with, relationships and, you know, problems that we have, just, you know, that anything that, you know, that the enemy can, can throw against you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, when he talks about putting on the whole armor of God, he says, lift up the shield of faith. It says, so, so that you can ward off the fiery darts of the enemy. And the fiery darts of the enemy are, are finances and lust and pleasures. And, you know, God, I'll get to you later on, but I'm going to put you on the back burner. It's not like I don't love you anymore. It's not like I don't care about you anymore. I just need to, I need some time for myself. I need to, I, you know, I need to take a vacation. I need to, you know, it's, you know, it becomes all about you. And, you know, 
one Sunday becomes two Sundays and three Sundays and four Sundays. And you can look around this room right now, and many of you know that there are people that are not here today that were here six months ago. Isn't that right? Where are they? Give them a call this afternoon when you get home. Tell them we miss them. And so it says that the ones that fell on good ground are the ones that hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. And then, you know, you guys remember the song by Jackson Brown? It's called Rock Me on the Water. Anybody remember that song? A few of you do. But it goes like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. <laughs> he says, well, the chorus is, Rock me on the water. Sister, can you soothe my fevered brow? Whoa, rock me on the water. Get me to the sea somehow. And then there's a, a chorus that goes, Oh, people, look around. The signs are everywhere. You've left it for someone other than you to be the one to care. You're lost inside your houses. There's no time to find you now. Oh, your walls are burning and your towers are turning. I'm going to leave you here. I got to get back to the sea somehow. And then that Final course. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. That, that, that final course, that final course, he says, oh, people, look around you. It's there your hope must lie. There's a seabird flying in one place like Jesus in the sky. Now we all must do the best we can. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We all must do the best we can to hang on to that gospel plow. Because when my life is over, I'm going to stand before the Father. And see, that's where we're headed. I'm going to stop it right there. Because, you know, we all must do the best we can to hang on to that gospel plow. But when our life is over, we are going to stand before the Father. And we're going to have to give an account. And he's going to say, you know, I called you. I called you. I begged you. I called you. And Jesus said, if any man puts his hand to the plow, and he's been called, and he begins to look back. And what's, what's he looking back at? I mean, what could possibly be behind him? Well, there might be a house. There may be children back there. There may be finances. There could be a bank back there. His money could be there. You know, all the things that are important in this life could be there. But in that first part, he says, you know, in that first, first verse, he says, look around you. The signs are everywhere. You've left it for someone other than you to be the one to care. And see, is this generation, is that, are we going to be that generation? Are we going to leave it for the next generation to be the one to care? You know, my prayer is, and guys, I'm going to just tell you that I, I say 
most of us are guilty, if not all of us are guilty, that we put God sometimes on the back burner. And, I, you know, when I think about Jesus saying, you know, when someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he says to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. And you know what I think? I mean, it's just me. I'm speaking for me. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody in this place. But I'm thinking, God, I don't always do that. And I want to. I want to do that. But I don't always do that. Do you? I believe that God wants to change some hearts in here today. And if you're feeling like he wants to change your heart, that your focus has been in a different direction, and you know, you know in your heart of hearts, that you haven't done what he's called you to do. I want you to stand up. And I want to pray for you. I want our prayer ministers to just, if you would, please, pet prayer ministers, move quickly, please. Prayer elders and deacons. And I'm going to stand. I'm Honestly, guys, I'm, you know, don't be ashamed. I'm, stand, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to ask them to anoint me too. Because, you know, I'm not there. I haven't arrived. And I just, you know, if you if you just want to be in a different place tomorrow, if you want God to change your heart, change your life, change your focus, just stand up. I'm going to ask uh, our um, Orlando, where are you? See here. Or I tell you what, it's okay, Ruth. Just Benji, just turn something on back there. Okay, all right. And the, those of you that are just sitting, and um, I, I just want you to just, I mean, I mean I'm mean i just talking about serious prayer right now. That these people, are, are they're, they're standing because they want a changed life. And I'm asking those of you that are sitting, just if you would just bow your head and just say, God, I agree with them. Help them, Lord. You know their struggles. You know the problems that they're facing. You know what they're dealing with. God, help them. I cry out to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Help them break sin's power in their life and help them to refocus and give us a heart that will love you, Lord God. Help us to love you with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. And I'm standing here too waiting for oil.
Okay, if you haven't if you haven't been prayed for, just continue to stand. If you have been prayed for, just please take a seat so we know who we need to pray for. you if you would please stand with me i want to pray this uh, scripture over you from i think it's from psalm 20 if you would i want to just uh i want you to just close your eyes if you would please and uh, i just want you to receive this just uh, if i were passing you a ball you would make some attempt to catch it if i was tossing a ball to my grandson Riley. I just kind of gently pass it to him. But I want you to receive this just like you're catching something. It says, May the Lord give you the desires of your heart. May the Lord make all your plans succeed. And may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all of your requests. That's my prayer for you today. May we lift up our banners and shout in victory when God begins to move in your life, when God calls you and you heed the call of God, when God begins to pour out His blessing and His favor upon you. Remember that word from Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you. Now just think about this. This is not Ron speaking. This is God talking. God saying, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the thoughts that I have for you. Thoughts for good. I have good plans for you. Not for evil. And when you walk out, I want you to just rehearse that over and over again. All day today and all day tomorrow and all through the week. God, you have good plans for me. You have good plans for me. Help me to be fruitful in fulfilling your will and your desire my life. Amen? Amen. Let's lift up a shout of praise for our God. We serve a great God. He is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.